Welcome to this sacred life in the Divine Feminine Spotlight. I'm Shan Vanderlake, founder of TransformationGoddess.com. Every month I share transformational conversations with women who have learned to walk in beauty with the strength, courage, and pleasure of reclaiming their feminine sovereignty. Women all over the world are rising up to have their voices heard. And I like to give some of their voices a platform to speak their truth and invite you to do the same. And today it's my honor to introduce you to Jaya. Jaya is an internationally recognized, award-winning sexologist and best-selling author of Red Hot Touch. Through more than two decades of client observation and clinical research, she discovered a map of arousal that reveals your specific erotic language of arousal, a revolutionary framework to create deeper connection and sexual satisfaction that led to the creation of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough Quiz and Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough Course. Hello, Jaya. Welcome to The Sacred Life. Hello. It's a great, great pleasure to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. And you have just been doing so much great work in the world for over two decades. Mm. You've been practicing somatic sexology and, and have been a sexo- sexological, I love saying that, sexological body worker. Tell me what led you to your practice and profession and... I think other kids, when they were little, they said, you know, I want to be a rock star when I grow up, or I want to, you know, help do this in the world. And I was the kid who said, I want to be like Dr. Ruth, if you don't know who Dr. Ruth was. She was a famous person who talked about sex. A little German woman, you know, she was spunky and amazing. She's still around. She's amazing. And uh, I wanted to be Dr. Ruth when I grew up. It was actually something when I was a child, I said that I wanted to do with my life was to help people with their sexuality. Of course, I told my parents you know, that I wanted to be Dr. Ruth, but I wanted to go into fertility because that felt a little safer. But I w- I've been interested in it since I was very young. I was the kid who told all my friends where babies came from. Look, it's not the stork. It's this. <laughs> this oh is my gosh. I love it because, you know, it's really unusual for young ones to know so soon, you know, so quickly and to be able to, to voice what it is they want to do. Yeah. And even just to have the conversation about their bodies, they understand. And so many of us didn't get taught that it was our own body. It was go hug grandma. And then we were shamed for not honoring, not, you know, we, we couldn't say no, we were shamed into, okay, well maybe my body isn't my own. And I think that that's where a lot of sexual trauma actually comes from is us overriding our no and not learning consent at a very young age to go, wait a minute, this is my body. These are my body parts. This is what my body parts are called. It's not a winky or a woo-woo or whatever, you know, but these are the actual names of my body parts, just like my nose and my ear. And it's my body and I get to say, no, I don't want to hug grandma right now. And that that gets honored and not shamed out of me that my no is a great thing in this world. I Listening to you, all I can think of is my daughter who somehow or another, Jaya is 18, I really, in the blink of an eye, right? And she has always, I mean, we, we taught her to name her body parts and to know what they are and to not be ashamed to talk about them. And the next thing we know, she's become a, a peer educator and wow. helping other kids in high school and teaching them things that you would so many kids would be like, are you kidding me? You're going to teach them how to put a condom on a banana? Kidding me? You're going to talk about this stuff matter-of-factly? And she does. And, and still sometimes will make my husband just a little uncomfortable, which, you know, of course, I, I find to be hilarious. But in that same vein, she's also been, been the one that 
has been able to say no, and we've honored the no, it, within reason, obviously, kids are going to say no to a lot of things that sometimes need to be yes. But yeah, it's really, yeah. really important that we don't make, make our kids do that stuff for sure. Yes. And so there's age-appropriate sexuality education. Fortunately, in our, in our country, we don't have that. We have a, a system in which our sex education does not even have to be medically accurate in the United States. And I just get shocked by that. It doesn't even have to be medically accurate sex uh. education. They don't teach anything to do about your body and pleasure and arousal. You know, it might be some stuff on fertility and then it's don't do it. Or right. we all had sex education and I just ask, what was the sex education you had? And people will say, but Jaya, I didn't get any. My parents didn't talk to me about it. My school didn't talk about it. Nobody talked to me about it. Said, yes, they did. They talked to you about it every day. Every day we get messages about who we are supposed to be as erotic beings. Don't do this, do this, don't do that, behave this way. And all of that conditioning has created an erotic identity that's false. Oh, yeah. So, so now we need to find our essence. I've heard so much in my two decades and, and I'm, I'm never shocked, but there's a part of me that's like shocked, you know, yeah, there's that. Yeah. I'm not shocked because of the way cultures are around sex, many of them. And then there's the like, okay. And I've heard so many of these that it, it just sometimes makes me feel really sad. And that's why I do what I do because yeah. if we have these conversations and we start to, to get the accurate education and we start to unravel the shame and we start to get to who we are as erotic being and you know yourself and you, you empower yourself, everything changes. That has absolutely been the case for me. Yeah. If anybody takes anything away from this today, I want you all to know that you're normal. I think we all feel like something's wrong. You know, like I'm broken if I'm not experiencing like the mind blowing orgasm in the movie that's simultaneous and I'm having this X, Y, and Z experience, then I'm broken. Now, if I'm, if I'm wanting, if I'm, if I don't, I don't want to say don't fit into the mold, but if I'm not like the more coy, sensual, you know, withheld, then then I'm not okay. I'm also broken. I'm weird for these desires that you start to put labels on yourself that the culture has labeled archetypally. I mean, we, we can go back just into the sexual trauma of women and the collective consciousness. Yeah. Just going back through time, we hold that in our DNA. Genetic material holds the trauma. If we look at how women have been traumatized around their sexuality, we speak up against about it, we're burned at the stake. I mean, yeah. this kind of stuff is it, it's true it's in there these things did happen and it's in there and the clearing of that trauma and getting to the essence it's the here heroine's journey it is that journey of i've been through this i've gone through this and it's a collective journey that i think we're seeing right now on the planet as yeah it's sexual. beautiful it, we are coming to ahead of that journey if we look at the history all the way to today where we're battling our final uh dragon per se, to get to that essence of who we are. I remember being in a, a woman's circle years ago and, and we were talking about sexuality and, and the women were sh sharing their different stories. One of the reasons why I love women's circles so much and the, the power of, of sharing and, and being together in this place was everybody had this story that every other woman could identify with somehow. There might not have been empathy, but there in some cases was empathy and sympathy and a whole lot of laughter when we realized, you know, just how normal we really were, because yes. you can also kind of pigeonhole yourself to think you're the only one. 
Yes. Oh, well, I'm the only one that was out on the prowl, or I'm the only one that had a one night stand, or I'm the only one that um, had multiple monogamous relationships because the first 90 days were always the most exciting. And then after that, eh. I <laughs> said that about feeling alone because, because of the silence around sex. Yeah. yeah feel like we are the only one and nothing could be further from the truth. I, in our workshops, I'll say, okay, how many other people are working with this? Or how many other people have had that experience? And, and then you just see collectively, we're, we're all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> you say, I believe that sex isn't just something we do, that sex is essential to our health, our vitality, and vibrant aliveness. Please, mm-hmm. please expand on this because it's a power, powerful quote. Yeah, this idea of sex is a doing, as opposed to sex is you. Sex is part of us. Sex is part of being human. We exist because of sex. You are here right now because of this thing called sex. And when we demonize that, we demonize all of humanity. Sex is, is sex energy. If we get to the energy and the essence of it, is creation. It is the moment of creation. When ma- masculine meets feminine, it is, it is a place where we get to see our divinity again because we go into union, we energetically merge, and we become one again. We have an experience of oneness through sex. And to me, this aliveness, I mean, if we look at it from a biochemical standpoint, it boosts our immune system, our sex hormones. I remember a long time ago when I was like 19 years old, I first got into Tantra and they were talking about sex hormones and how tantric practices and keeping your sexuality up helps keep your sex hormones juicy and alive and awake. And I was like, that's going to be me. Like, I'm going to be 40 or 50 and I'm going to be alive, you know, like I'm going to be full <laughs> of it and alive and my hormones juicy and because of all of these practices. And so that was, it was just such a big part of it to me was this idea of longevity and youthfulness and aliveness and energy and, yeah. and just the creative, I mean, look at the power of creative energy, what it takes to make a baby. Yeah. That's the energy of sex. So I, I love this. And I, and the idea that we aren't just this thing that we're doing, we are this, this is part of being human, just like love and eating and air and breathing and all of the emotions that we feel from ecstasy to anger. It's all part of it. And when you can accept all of that, there's, there's an awakening that happens in that acceptance of everything that we are. And yet a big, big part of the population isn't even having sex. Yes. One in seven relationships in the United States are sexless. Long-term relationships are sexless in the U.S. And so if any of our listeners are in that position, mm-hmm. what, what do you recommend they do to get back in touch, especially if they're still in love with the person, you know, they still very much want to be with the person that they're with, but yes. things just kind of maybe fizzled out after having kids or after a long time or, you know, or hormone imbalance, or, you know, whatever the case may be, how do they get back to it? This is a, this is a magic question, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. people are looking for this. I love my partner. I hear this all the time. I love my partner, but we aren't having sex. We aren't connecting sexually. The first myth I want to bust for them is this myth of compatibility. Oh, we're just sexually incompatible. I argue this myth because what I've seen is not that people are incompatible, it's just a lack of education. 
It's a lack of knowing what is my erotic essence? How am I wired erotically? What is my map, my blueprint? I call them erotic blueprints. And so the first place, the foundational place that I start a couple who's struggling in this, and I will say I've been there. I was there. I was a sexologist. I was the sex goddess. People would call me sex expert, all those fun things. I'd written four books on sex techniques at this point in my life. And I was rolling over the one side of the bed. My partner was rolling over the other. I'm crying myself to sleep at night because I'm not congruent with my own life's work. I'm in one of those sexless relationships. This was me. Wow. And I knew hundreds of sex techniques, hundreds. And I couldn't get my partner to want me, to desire me. And it wasn't necessarily that he didn't want me. We just didn't know how to connect. Yeah. And this is where the blueprints came out of, because I would initiate in my sexual blueprint. He would initiate in his sexual blueprint. And it was like we were on two different planets. And I started questioning, do I love him even more anymore? You know, I started getting to that place where I felt like I was this ripe, juicy grape and I was just shriveling on a vine with all of the stuff that I had to give and all the desire that I had. And we just were not connecting. So the, the five blueprints, would you like me to give them to everybody? Yeah, and, yeah. That's what I, because my next question was to, to get a better handle on exactly what is that erotic blueprint. We can dive uh, deeper into that conversation. So for those of you who are single, this is for you as well. I know we were talking about couples, but knowing me, this as well, because you're able to communicate to anybody. Once you know what your map is, you are then able to communicate that blueprint to someone else, which is fundamental. I mean, they say, know thyself and to thine own self be true. As you're listening to this, that's, that's key here is knowing, listening. It's not about compatibility here. This is about language. And all we need is willingness. As long as you have willingness, all you have to do is learn a language. The five blueprints, the energetic, and the energetic type is turned on by anticipation, tease, space, longing, yearning. Superpowers, they can have orgasms without even being touched. They're hypersensitive. They um, can think themselves into orgasm. They can go into altered states of reality during high erotic experiences. Some of the shadows of the energetic are that they short circuit because they are so sensitive. You could be in the throes of something like all of this anticipation and then it goes physical and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, where did all my arousal go? Because of that high sensitivity, you'll kind of numb out or dissociate out of your body or freeze up. Uh, energetics can also have a hard time with the boundaries. We talked about the consent conversation. They don't know where their no is oftentimes and their body starts to build up anger, resentment because they're saying yes to things even when there's not arousal or you know, they feel pressure. And so they'll just say yes instead of saying a real clear no because they're in their head judging themselves. I'm weird. I'm the broken one. My no is ridiculous because I'm so sensitive. Those are some of their thoughts that run through their mind. Okay. The sensual is someone who's turned on by all of their senses being ignited. So touch, taste, smell, beauty, music. What we think of like romance, slow dancing, hot baths, that is very much the sensual blueprint. They bring the beauty to the erotic experience, superpowers, non-genital orgasms. They could have orgasms behind their knees. <laughs> orgasms from eating like the most delicious chocolate you've ever had, full body orgasm. 
so the, the sensual blueprint is much more body. The whole body is their erotic instrument. They like closeness. They want to be all smushed up and with oils and yummy things and music. The shadow of the sensual is getting caught up in their head and not being in their body, which is where all the glory is. So they get stuck up there. They're thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about the socks on the floor and the pillow that's not right and all the music isn't right and it's too cold in here and the breath smells and there's all of that happening. Or I forgot to call that person. And so now they're not feeling what's happening in between their legs anymore. It's one of the shadows of the sensual. The next one is the sexual. And the sexual is someone who loves penetration, orgasm, nudity. What we think of in our culture as sex, because we live in a sexual culture, all men are this blueprint, essentially. Our research has shown otherwise. And all women are sensual. And this is what I hear a lot in therapy with sexless couples is, oh, go pour her a hot bath, light her candles. And oh, give him you know oral sex every night or something like that as the solution. And this is not the solution. I mean, what we've seen, we've surveyed almost 100,000 people now with the quiz. And what we see is that gender, this goes across all genders. There, are, I was a high sexual and my partner was not. And I'm trying to do striptease class and offer him oral sex and it's not working. Why? I'm trying to do sex techniques, not working because it's not his blueprint. And so I just want to bust the myth here that all men are the sexual. I was the sexual in the female body and my partner was not. And we've seen this across the board. And this advice doesn't work because it's not matching the blueprints. Right. So the sexual superpowers are high arousal, high drive, uh, can usually go from zero to 60 pretty easily. They're simple in their sexuality. There's a simplicity to it and they, they usually do not, they don't have like deep shame. It's like, this is sex. It's like eating pizza. Come on. Like, let's go. Let's do it. What's the big problem? Why are you making it so hard? (laughs) (laughs) Why is it so complicated for you? You know, like that kind of thing you'll hear come out of sexual mouths. They, sex for them is like food, air, water. It helps them relax. Whereas for a sensual relaxing is what's needed in order to get to sex. A sexual is like, give me the sex so I can relax. So everything feels right in the world. The shadow side of the sexual, you're hearing me touch on it a little bit, is this limited, limited definition. Sex equals, you know, we are having intercourse and there's an orgasm. Then we're all happy. And that is the limited definition which then boxes them in and then doesn't take into account all of the full spectrum of sexuality that's available in the world. Shadow side can also be a little bit of shame sometimes in this blueprint. I do see it's not as deep as another blueprint I'm going to talk about next. And also they can be selfish and blame their partner a lot for the sexual problem. So things like, well, I never had this problem before with anybody else. It's you. Hmm. Um, They don't understand the other blueprints. They'll say things like, well, you know, sex is easy. What's the big, you know, why are you making it so complicated? Uh, These kinds of things will come out of their mouths because they just have a really hard time relating to other blueprints outside of themselves. And I say this from experience because my highest percentage on my blueprint scale used to be as 42% sexual blueprinted. My partner, Ian, is, is the highest in this next blueprint. So he is, and this was my zero. So I was zero. When I took the quiz, I was zero of this <laughs> blueprint, which is kinky. And he was zero sexual. So here I am, 42% sexual. And he's like 33% kinky. Right. You can see where our problem was in that we, one, we didn't have awareness of this until I wrote a book on kink. So I wrote a book called Cuff Tied Satisfied. And I was like, I got to do some homework. I got to learn about kink in order to write this book. And all of a sudden I saw arousal out of him. Like I'd never seen before. 
Because the way I was initiating sex was I would come to bed and I would touch his genitals and I would say, let's have sex. Sexual blueprint, simple. Touch genitals, have sex. (laughs) I would say to him, chop, chop, come on, get it, get it up for me, you know? Right. Like, that's not going to (laughs) work. And then he would come to bed and he would cuddle with me, which is the sensual blueprint. Sensual is kind of like his way in. And he didn't, he, we didn't really know how kinky he was until we started exploring. So now all I do, if I want to initiate sex is I put some ropes on the bed and I see arousal, like, boom, you know, (laughs) kinky is turned on by taboo, naughty. You know, if you think of like, Ooh, I'm doing something naughty, that feeling in the body. So there's psychological kink, which is not so based in like people think kink, they think pain. I want to bust that myth here. This is not what this is about. It can be pain can be pleasure. And that's a sensation based kinky. We call that a sensation based kinky. And the other is a psychological based kinky and a psychological based kinky is someone who's more turned on by the power play, by the dynamic of you're bossing me around. You have control or power over me consensually, of course, whereas the sensation base can be more like about the, t- the feeling of constriction or spanking or exploring pain. Some of these things that, that are highly pleasurable for people, but feel it's the, the naughty taboo of it that is the turn on. So Ian is my partner is a combination of both of these. And once I found that out, you know, ropes combined with some of the psychological play game was on. It was like we had just met all over again. We couldn't walk into a room without smiling at each other because now that I knew how to ignite him into a sexual blueprint through the kinky and sensual, we could find a place where now he was super aroused and then my sexual could be fed. And it was like having a completely new relationship all over again. No more crying myself to sleep at night. It was like, boom, overnight, literally finding out these blueprints. It was a miracle in our lives, which is why I'm so passionate about sharing. Yeah, yeah. The next one is the shapeshifter. And the shapeshifter is someone who's all of these. It's someone who has uh, erotic intelligence of all of these blueprints. They can have the superpowers of all of them. They can speak all of these if they were languages. They're multilingual. I call the shapeshifter really the erotic master because the shapeshifter is able to shapeshift into anything anybody else is. So if, the, if you're an energetic, they can shapeshift into being an energetic to totally please you. I'm a shapeshifter in my work, so I'm able to shapeshift to please other people. However, I have not gotten to shapeshifter in terms of being able to receive. I still short circuit because right underneath my sexual is my energetic, and actually my blueprint has changed, which they do. I had the same for about 10 years, and now I've expanded into new territory, which you can all do. Ian, my partner, is now a shapeshifter, and he's expanded into this. So the superpowers, you can have all those orgasms, plus um, you're able to please other people. You have high erotic intelligence. You have high capacity for pleasure. You can go 15 minutes and be like, that was one second. Three hours later, you're like, more, come on. I actually think neurologically and, and as far as receptors biochemically that these people have more receptor sites. I don't have proof for this. I have not opened anyone's brain to look at it yet. My theory is that they have more receptor sites to uptake all of the hormones and the feel good and the pleasure that they can actually uptake it more and their nervous system has a, a bigger capacity for pleasure. Shadow side is that you're shape-shifting to please everybody else all of the time. So you're never fully fed. You're always just like, oh, my partner's sensual, I'll be sensual. And you don't realize that you need all of this. Another is judging yourself. I'm too complex. I'm too complicated. I want too much. Somewhere in your past, you may have heard 
you're too much. Why do you want to complicate it? You're not complicated. You're just erotically sophisticated. It's like being a hyper sports car with all kinds of like amazing gadgets. You're just a $3.7 million vehicle and other people just, you know, you need a good driver. Right. <laughs> <Your first> vehicle, <laughs> you have ability to, to know that vehicle. Right on. Yes. So you can celebrate the shapeshifterness there. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. I'm so I'm so glad you went through these. And before we get more into how our listeners can figure out uh, their blueprint, I, I just have a couple more questions for you personally that, sure. that I'd like to ask. The first being, how do you relate to your body and your sexuality and power? as a woman? Often, <laughs> frequently, every moment of the day. But I'll tell you my new experiment. My new experiment is can I make every single thing orgasmic? And this has been a really interesting experiment because what I have to do is let go of the story about what something is. Uh, I'll give a quick story example. I was sick a few weeks ago and I really hate throwing up. Like it is my, like I have a story about throwing up that it is the most awful thing in the planet. Don't want to do it. It's painful. I hate it. I cry through it. Like it is just traumatic for me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to let go of the story. I started feeling the sensations of what I would have called throwing up come through my body. And I was like, can I make this orgasmic? And I just started getting, what is the raw sensation of this in my body? What is the raw? And I just started asking myself the question and I started laughing. And then I, I'm at the toilet, you know, you guys all know that moment, the mouth <laughs> is watering. I'm at that moment. I am ecstatic. And I, it all starts coming up and I'm like, and it is just like ecstatic, like ecstasy. And the person in the other room could hear me. They're like, are you okay? And I start laughing. And I was an, oh, I was an orgasm. I was throwing up my worst thing. And I was an orgasm because I let go of the story and started to get to the raw, pure essence of what this is. Um, and, it, and, I, and I'm trying that in everything. Instead of labeling this as good sensation, this is bad sensation. What if all sensation was orgasmic? And that's my practice right now. Right on. <laughs> what if all sensation is <laughs> orgasmic? Oh my God, I've got, such, I've got a smile on my face from, from ear to ear. <laughs> so talk a little bit about how you're embodying this. I mean, you've been embodying the sensual goddess part of, of, of you for a long time, much longer than, than many women listening in. I have a, we have a whole thing in our company called Pleasure First. And it's, it's one of our brand values is everything starts with pleasure first and getting it into the body. So anything, I, mean, I started in tantric yoga and breathing, movement, sound, really having a pleasure practice every single day. As I talked about my, like, my new question of how can I make this all orgasmic, um, that is a practice. So your, your practice would look different based on your blueprint, but embodying that, getting it into your bones, getting it into your body starts with a practice. And I don't care if it's one minute, make it winnable, make it a winnable practice. But these have been, I started practicing when I was, well, probably when I was younger, but consciously really having like a daily practice when I was about 19. And I have had a practice pretty much daily. And if it's not like a thing that I'm sitting down to do for 15 minutes, it's a, it's a question I'm asking myself that I'm exploring throughout the day. 
it's a movement. It's a, it, I could do a practice with a partner, not with a partner, but these practices have been the saving grace. Actually, Ian and I started a practice around the time when things started turning around. And we noticed that when we do practices together, it really helps us to embody what we're teaching, not just be preachers about what we teach, but to actually embody and practice what we're teaching on a daily, regular basis. And, and I'll share about this too, that I did not want to be in my body. And I think a lot of us don't, who are kind of in the light worker, you know, goddess, we want to go home. Like, I don't want to be in here. I want to like, I'm bigger than this. And I had to really learn how to embody soul. And that was also important for my pleasure, but to bring soul and bring, bring spirit, bring all of that into the body and own who I really was and embody that, that was the next level embodiment. Yeah. And it's practice. And I do want to say something about that because I've talked about all these orgasmic possibilities. I don't want anyone here to feel broken or wrong or like you have to achieve something. I think you are perfect just the way you are. And if you decide that, you know, I want to grow or I want to learn how to have multidimensional orgasms or I just want to have a G-spot something or I want to have an ejaculatory orgasm or whatever orgasm you want to have, great. But know that you're not broken and there's nothing you have to go for. And I know this kind of sounds zen, but you already have all the orgasmic capacity that's possible for you. It's more about remembering and uncovering and clearing the shadow parts than anything else. So I talked about the erotic blueprints and so the next steps is feeding, learning how to feed your erotic blueprint and get fed so that you feel satiated and you're no longer in starvation. We estimate that about 63% of the population is starving sexually from what we've seen. Don't starve anymore, get fed. That's the next, the first thing. So the course goes into the foundation of the blueprints. We also have further testing on determining blueprints. That's not just the quiz that we're going to give you, but it is the body testing. So you, because I believe the body doesn't lie. So when we go into the body, you get to see new things. Oftentimes we see pieces of the kinky blueprint come out in the body testing because people don't even know when they're filling out the quiz, you know, that their body even would like something like that. Sure. So there's testing on determining blueprints. We do that in week three and week four is about feeding. Week five is speaking, which is super fun class. We get into all kinds of like words to use that are fun for every blueprint or phrases. You know, we do texting challenges. So there's a lot of games within the course. And then week six is the healing. I do a guided healing process to help people really meet their shadows, uncover them. And, and I don't want to say clear, because these parts of us don't want to be fixed, changed, or improved. They're like children who just need empathy. So we're not really clearing them. We're holding space for and illuminating these aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that they, and, then they, and then they do clear. It's just a result of it. But we're not trying to because these parts need to be loved first. So then we go into um, the next is expanding into new blueprints. And, and how do you do that? And then finally, we wrap up with how do you create hot sex for a lifetime? Because the blueprints are just the foundation of that, but there's actually a master plan for creating hot sex and, and having that longevity of that in a, rela- in a long-term relationship. Or if you're single, how do you move forward in empowering yourself for hot sex and for a lifetime in that empowerment of who you are in your essence? Oh, it sounds fantastic. Today, people can get started with the quiz. Thanks for making time today to to join me and have this conversation. I really enjoyed every minute with you. Thank you so much. That was Jaya, award-winning sexologist and best-selling author of Red Hot Touch and creator of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough 
and the Erotic Blueprint Quiz. Take the quiz today at eroticbreakthrough.com forward slash the sacred life. Thanks for listening to This Sacred Life and the Divine Feminine Spotlight. Visit TransformationGoddess.com to claim our album of guided relaxations for women who do too much. And while you're there, check out our latest articles, book reviews, and resources for your goddess journey.